Hi, and welcome to episode 115 of No Crying in Baseball, the beautiful freak episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey, is that my new nickname? Beautiful Freak? Yeah. It kind of, maybe. We could layer the nicknames. Okay. You are beautiful. and beautiful Freak Yeah, it could work. It could work. But you're more Potty Mouth than anything else, really. That is true. I've been trying to keep it under control this past week visiting family. How'd that go? Not so good. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Well, not bad. Not bad. It's just that, you know, the Potty Mouth thing and and winter beverages that happen at these winter gatherings. Oh, I do know. All those things. Yeah, and it depended on who I was with. Some people, you know, were, I mean, that's where I learned it, so. That's true. They, They should be so proud. Yeah. That you really did kind of like you you are you are doing it up. A certain generation is okay with it. And then there's, the, <laughs> then there's my dad. Love you, dad. And there's the people that cover the ears of the small children. I no small. Ch- Ooh, well, actually, no, a couple small children, but they don't give a shit. I mean, it's the parents <laughs> they say that out loud <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they're yeah. from Boston. Yeah, they're good. That's awesome. Hey, did you come back with any baseball loot? I ended up with some very nice themed baseball presents. Oh, uh, people know you well. They do. But I bet you did too. I did not presents. On our way back, we stopped at the traditional vegan restaurant rest stop in Jersey that happens to be next to a comic book store. So there's my whole family, like just encapsulated. Oh, it's perfect. But even better, the comic book store has a whole section on baseball cards. So we go in uh, and I hang out in the baseball section. Mr. Potty Mouth and, and the little one not so little go to the comic book area and we all come out happy and I actually finally came out with something to hold my balls which I'm really glad about fantastic have your balls been swaying in the breeze or something what's wrong with the balls they've been just sitting in the drawer the Ted Williams ball (laughs) and the Carlton Fisk ball and the Johnny Pesky ball there's three pretty good balls that are just like gathering, not even gathering dust because they're just covered with stuff in a drawer so they don't fade any worse than they have. I finally got that special UV protective case for them. So, so they can see the light of day. So your balls can be out in the open. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. What'd That's, you get? I got, well, I've got a cool shirt that I'm wearing right now. My I stand for cookie t-shirt, which makes me so happy. I almost wept when I opened this. So thanks to my brother, Chris, for that one. That is and, amazing. Um, I got some more um, adult beverage glasses with Nats Park on them because we can never have enough of those. These are pints. These are like for big adult beverages. Excellent. We can put my Green Monster beer in those. You got Green Monster beer. Green See, Monster there's some beer. more theme stuff you brought back with you. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And I'm wearing my um my Washington Nationals World Champion uh, Santa hat because have you heard the Washington Nationals won the won the World Series? I mentioned that a few times that. on my trip and my kid found the Santa hat. And so now I'm wearing it. And my kid got me a book I've been wanting for a long time, which is K, the history of baseball in 10 pitches. And I'm a pitch and a half into it and I really like oh, it. that sounds awesome. I totally yeah. want to see that. And yeah. your necklace. I'm wearing a home a home plate necklace made from uh, from glove leather, which I just got today from one of my work friends. So I'm just really excited about these really thoughtful presents that, you know, it's like you feel like people like really get you. And I, and I like that a lot. Yeah. And it's good for keeping baseball on the brain through the winter. That's right. On today's show, we've got the Mariners and Rockies boyfriends to tell you about. We've got a little tiny bit of decade trivia, I would say a year early, but I'm a nerd. We have um, a progressive move on Major League Baseball's part about the joint drug agreement to talk about. It's actually pretty good. I'm happy about it. We've got your Winter League update, and we're going to give you a little bit of a New Year's present. We're going to talk to you about women in baseball from the early 1900s in a way that's going to make you think about women in baseball at every single ballpark you go to. There's so much good in that. And, you know, I tried really hard to get your I stand for cookie thing for our Instagram video, but it was just I stand for. At first, I thought it was going to be ooky or oaky, but it was just I stand for. So you stand while I do. you're sitting here. I do. I, mm-hmm. I sit for, for ooky right now, actually, and I drink near ooky. 
right, right now. So we'll both drink to that. Okay, cheers. We'll talk about some other guys. Okay. Because that's what we do on this podcast. We have baseball boyfriends. For anybody who's joining us for the first time, what we do in the off season to sort of while the time away is we each pick one guy per team who has something special beyond the field. Usually, or <laughs> for in Patty's case, always, they have something really good on the field. <laughs> but then there's something else that just like brings our attention to them. Um, and no assholes allowed. We'll get more into that later. So this week we are with the Mariners and the Rockies because we work from the bottom up. We've already done what, like four or five weeks? Yeah, I think this is the fifth, at least the fifth. We're getting there. Yeah. So we're getting right up into the middle of the, well, the middle of the bottom half, right? We're finishing the first third. That's another way of saying that. There we go. The middle of the bottom half. (laughs) Oh, there's so, see, Patty's a better one at math here. Here, Let me hand you some math. But I'll talk about a guy. Actually, so, so the guys I picked, you know, usually my Tell picks, me about a guy. My, my picks are a little off the beaten track usually. But today I picked two guys who went to Catholic high school who were both admired for having a good work ethic. Have you had a conversation with my late mother? Because she would approve of boyfriends from that very specific category. It's really weird. Of course, I didn't find out about this until afterwards. I found out also, though, that they are both Yankee replacers. That is, they both replaced a player that got bought by the Yankees. So I'm good with Yankee replacements as long as they do well. And, of course, that's what I'm hoping for my baseball boyfriends. Starting with with Austin Kyle No. Nola, who sort of plays first base. I'll get more into that later. Right now, he's slated as first base. And he, last year, was a 29-year-old rookie. Wow. Which is an elder rookie. So he had spent a lot of time in the minor leagues, as opposed to his more well-known brother, who is actually younger, um, Aaron Nola, who's one of the ace pitchers for the, the Phillies. Phillies. Yeah. And more on that later. So I noticed L- Nola's name, so that jumped out at me. But then also, one of the first things I found out was that he went to LSU. And I thought of our good friend Brian Jones, who sent us all that cool LSU gear. And I thought, you know, this is a good excuse for me to break, bust some of that out and get a little bit of um, LSU uh, fandom going. And I, I wrote that to our friend Jeff at Two Strike Noise because I was asking him for Mariner suggestions because I know that his, his co-host Mark is a Mariners fan. And luckily, I have that date stamped because it was right before all the LSU stuff started sadly happening on Saturday. And so I just think it's kind of a good, another good excuse to, um, I don't know, to appreciate life a little bit. That sadly, the daughter-in-law of the uh, LSU offensive coordinator, Steve Esminger, and I've only read stuff, so I'm not good with these pronunciations. She was tragically killed in a plane crash on the way to the LSU game. And it's a really horrible backstory behind it because her husband was going to drive her. So this is the the, oh, no. the guy's son was going to drive her to the airport or something or was going to drive her part way. And she ended up getting a spot on a small plane that somebody else had vacated and her husband couldn't get off work. So oh, like there's boy. some of that. There's just a lot of really shit. That's going to haunt feelings. people for a long time. Yeah, there's so many levels of this. And she was a sideline reporter. And I think she actually reported LSU games. But uh, Steve, her father-in-law, found out about the death before the game and decided to go on with it. And LSU killed Oklahoma, basically. They crushed them. And some of the players know, some of the players didn't. There's a lot of people with big opinions on Twitter. And it's like, it's his fucking decision. Like, you know, he's got to do what he's got to do. And things, luckily, you know, maybe provided a little bit of uh, consolation to him in that moment. 
And there was a, a heartbreaking uh, retweet of her last tweet that said, only rainbows after rain, the sun will always come again. Oh, So wow. I think we do need to take a moment to remember somebody who has lost far too soon and to be grateful for what we have. Um, I'm going to be grateful for this new baseball boyfriend in the upcoming moments. He was almost a lifer minor leaguer. So it took him a while to get out. He was uh, picked in high school, 48th round with the Rockies, who, uh, interestingly, is the next team that we're going at, in 08. But instead, he uh, spent four seasons at LSU. So choosing the education over the draft. My other boyfriend goes the other way around, so I can't make like a blanket statement about what I support. Each to his own. When he was a freshman, though, he was playing. He made the team, and he was playing shortstop. And that made DJ LeMayhew, who will be spoken of later, shift to second base. And uh, that team in 09 was the College World Series champions. I'm happy with a little local stuff that he played down the Cape, as we say in Boston, during the summer leagues. And after junior year, there's that other chance of being drafted, right? And he was picked again by the Blue Jays in the 31st round, but he decided to do that last year, senior year. And he actually got to play with his brother that year in LSU. And then he was drafted by the Marlins, and he did well all the way through Marlins minor leagues. But, you know, I don't know what it is with both the Marlins and the Orioles. It seems like they miss a lot of gems in this, mm-hmm. their bunches in the, in the farm system. So when he was in 2013 in single A, his first and second errors of the season came on the last day of the season. So, wow. Yeah. So, so he made was, the whole season. Yep. Wow. Without an error. Um, in 2014, he was in the double-A Jacksonville team, and they became the Southern League champs. In 2016, and here's like some baseball boyfriend stuff. We pick these guys because they're special. He won something called the AFL, which whatever league that is, Darnell Stenson Sportsmanship Award, saying that he best exemplified unselfishness, hard work, and leadership. So he was trying so hard to make it up that he started playing catcher in 2017 after being all over the infield. Didn't work out so well. I think in 18, he was back on first. And and the cool thing about 18 is he was with the New Orleans Baby Cakes. The Baby Cakes. And they say NOLA on the front of the the uniform because of New Orleans. And his name was NOLA on the back of the uniform. So he had NOLA on the front (laughs) and on the back. And then he gets picked up by the Mariners. Well, he was a free agent. Got picked up by the Mariners, partly from a recommendation from an infield coach who had been working with him in the Marlins and knew him and basically recommended him for his work ethic. Look at me really appreciating this. This is so impressive. Yeah. And then in mid-June, he replaced Edwin Encarnacion, who went to the Yankees. So taking over that Yankee position. He did really well when he first came up. His first 30 MLB games, he was slashing 313, 371, and 547 while playing catcher, first base, second base, third base, and left field. And he could have done shortstop because he had played that at LSU, and he didn't. And then the cool thing is he's playing in the Dominican Republic, I would say right now, but the team that he was on is the Estrellas Orientales, which was the team that won last year, that I picked last year, that Fernando Tati Sr. coached last year and got fired from this year. So that's the team that he was on as catcher. 
um, he was not chosen as a reinforcement. So the Dominican League does this weird thing now where the teams in the finals get to pick reinforcements for the teams that got eliminated, and he was not chosen. So I think he's just chilling out now until the season starts. Um, and he is at first base right now. And the quote that I thought was great in the last article I read was, until beautiful freak Evan White is ready. And I looked over on your side and it said, Evan, Evan White, White first base. And <laughs> uh -huh. I thought, what the fuck? Yeah, so um, I have chosen beautiful freak Evan White without knowing how beautiful and freakish he was. I want to see pictures. Yeah, well, he's, he's, he's all right. I mean, all you right. know, he looks like kind of corn fed. And he, one, <laughs> one of the reasons I joined him, speaking of corn, uh -huh. is he is an Ohio boy. He was born in Columbus. Ohio. I just came back ah. from a holiday trip through that part of Ohio as well as a brief foray into Kentucky to see a movie. And he um, played for the University of Kentucky. So I'm like, okay, this parallels my winter break. And apparently he's a beautiful freak. Meant to be. Let me tell you more. Because he grew up in Columbus, you can go either to uh, Reds fans or Cleveland baseball fandom. His family went Reds. And his favorite player is Joey Votto. Hey, my first Reds boyfriend. And, you know, Joey Votto, first baseman, right? So oh, he was yeah. also very much a role model for beautiful freak Evan White, who's only 23. So there's not a lot of background available. When you have... Cornfred Midwestern boys, they don't have much of a history when they're only 23 that you can find. The interesting stories for the young ones are the ones that come from other places and how they got here, mm -hmm. largely, right? This kid, you know, middle class upbringing, everything was just fine. Um, his mom played college basketball and softball. His dad was a three-sport collegiate athlete, so everybody in his family is athletic. So he had that kind of support growing up where everybody got the whole sports things mm -hmm. and they all do it. So he was drafted out of the University of, of Kentucky in the first round of 2017. Lots of hopes pinned on this guy. And the things that I've been reading are everyone is currently hoping for an opening day debut. He has not debuted yet, right? He's not played in the majors yet. About half of what I read said could be the opening day first baseman, which would, um, would move um, Austin Nola to catcher is what that looks okay. like. But they're also not in a big rush. If he's right. ready, that's what will happen. But they're like, you know what? We're going to give him time. He was um, a Golden Glove player in the minor leagues. I do love me some defense. He is known as like the best defensive first baseman in all the minor leagues. This is in the 2018 season. I love that. I love sexy defense. He just signed a six-year, $24 million contract with three team options, you know, four renewals, which could give him possibly more than $55 million over nine years should those options get picked up. And what that does, that buys out his first three years of arbitration, right? So he won't have, he won't be able to negotiate oh, okay. during arbitration. But he's pretty set. He's pretty set. But it also, you know, it gives him way more than that league minimum for those first couple of years. That's right? for sure. Interestingly, this is the only major league baseball contract ever signed by a player who has never played above double a he played all of last season at the double a minor league level that's super and, interesting and the intention is bring him up they feel like they are ready for him which is very interesting one of the reasons that the team felt comfortable signing him for that long without seeing more of him is that his leadership and the way he treats his teammates um he said he's not the loudest guy, but he's the most respected guy in the room. And so they see a lot of maturity in him. So I think this is a guy we want in our clubhouse. So we're willing to make that long-term commitment. We know mm -hmm. he's got the the raw skills, 
but he's also got this temperament that we really want to have around. And the one story that I did find about him that I really liked was about his first day of full squad spring training this past season, right? He was at spring training for the 2019 season. So the first day, you know, the rookies, there's a lot of pressure on you. you got to show up when you're supposed to show up. You can't be late, this and that. So there was... Um, you know how fans, you're one of the fans that goes to spring training. You've done this before, mm-hmm. right? You know, you go, you get autographs signed, you kind of mill yeah, around. But then totally when it's time fine. to work out, you got to go work out. So he had signed some baseball cards for this one guy who was probably like a year younger than he was at the time, this college kid. And he's heading over to his workout and he walks by the same kid whose baseball cards are all over the ground. Aww. And so here's Aww, a double layer of, of super niceness. Mm-hmm. This kid, this 21-year-old, had this very like well-organized, alphabetized, you know, like strategically organized box of cards so he could pull out things to, to when he met people. But he also said, I always go to these things, but when there's little kids, I let them go in front of me. Right? So he's a nice, he's a 21-year-old kid. He's a nice guy. He's like, I want the little kids to get there first. The little kids apparently jostled him. The box went flying. Oh, so this man. is like the no good deed going yeah. unpunished. And so so beautiful freak Evan White is walking by him and sees this guy. I remember this guy. I just signed cards for him a few minutes ago with stuff everywhere. And he's and for, I think for half a second, it was like, I can't be late for my workout. Yes, I can. Dropped all his equipment and got down on the ground with this guy and helped and him picked up his pick baseball up cards. these like bazillion baseball cards so cool. to this guy. And 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 this kid, this 21-year-old was like, I'm going to remember this forever yeah. because other players walked right by us. And this was the kid that did this. And the guy that was reporting this said, we were talking to some of the clubhouse staff afterwards. And they said, of course he did. He is like, he is the nicest guy. He's not, not, not the fake nicest guy. But he's the nicest guy. The actual nicest guy. The actual nicest guy at at, at spring training. Um, The last thing I'm going to leave you with is that um, right before that season, he spent a lot of time with a personal trainer because he was sort of like skinny college boy and he needed to like put on weight and put on muscle. And he really wanted to bulk up before going to spring training. Um, And so he did. And the the manager of the Marlins said that, um, as Scott Survey said, he's growing into his man muscles. That must be the beautiful part of the freak. The beautiful, the part beautiful of the freak. freak together. That so, totally yeah, works. So, yeah, so Evan White with the man muscles, hopefully first base on opening day. That's my plan. With the man muscles. We're going to go to the National League now with the Colorado Rockies. And yet again, I got a kind of utility guy. He's um, Ryan McMahon. That's his name. He's 25 years old. He's technically second base, but he has played first and third. So he's good all over the infield. So I'm going with this theme and versatility today. This is really weird. It's cosmic. I didn't plan this. It's going to help you when we get to the fantasy league because you can plug them in anywhere. There we go. This is very smart. Yeah. Look at you with the strategy. That, I like it. They're, they're going to be my utility guys. I got two utility guys. Yay. So I picked this guy because of commercials, propaganda, uh, including. Never mind. So <laughs> this is. But but there's a, there's a reason for my madness. There's always a reason if you like follow my logic which is really difficult sometimes but this one connects to my daughter because I Nuh-uh. saw yeah because she's an artist and there was this football foot locker ad that started off with him saying baseball and art don't go together and then the guy next to him who apparently is an artist his name is Chico Bean he's a comedian I just had to look it up I'd never heard of him but he said you sure about that and then they go through this whole thing process of making art out of baseballs and they dip baseballs in paint and he hits them against a backdrop oh man. and at the end it magically like makes a picture of like a baseball field which is probably not what happened but he probably. said he, right, that's what i'm guessing he said he had the best time though like hitting baseballs dipped in paint for like an hour it was like a blast so it, he doesn't start there though with his advertisement propaganda he also <laughs> 
uh, tweeted, I think he became like a spokesperson for one of those shave clubs, and I don't even remember which one it was, but he tweeted something about it, like, um, I'm ready to do this, and he's like the most baby-faced dude, so somehow Wade Boggs saw it, and I think Wade Boggs is another spokesperson for this same shave club. And not baby-faced in any way. Not at all, and tweeted at him, like, you sure you need that? And he (laughs) tweeted back to Wade Boggs, you want to do it together. Oh, and no. so there's a commercial of the two of them shaving together, oh which is so adorable. And then the other artist connection thing is when we were at the um, All-Star Game last summer in yes. Cleveland, we saw those really cool t-shirts, remember? Like they were player team. design. Yeah. yeah, so he did that. So oh. maybe he got confident after the sure. Foot Locker ad and uh-huh. did his player t-shirt for Bank of America. And then like above all that, he's a good guy. So oh, he like has good guys. solid baseball boyfriend um, credentials. He tweets stuff about the boys and girls club. And he's a br- big proponent of Project 34, which he's not on the board of, but he seems to be very connected to. And this is a project to raise money for research into spinal injuries. And it was it's founded by Trevor Williams of the Pirates, I think, right? Pirates pitcher. And Corey Hahn. And those two guys went to ASU together. And the the connection for my guy, Ryan McMahon, is that he went to high school with Corey Hahn. So we haven't heard of Corey Hahn. He is a baseball player. Maybe some of you guys have out there in uh, Pod's podcast land. But um he played with Trevor Williams at ASU and had a horrific accident sliding into second. Damaged his spinal cord. Oh, jeez. And he is paralyzed. Okay. So um, his story is really incredible. And he's actually working for the D-backs now as some sort of scout. But it really seems, at least in Ryan McMahon's social media, that he does a lot of tweeting about him and about the project and to him and that he's been involved in a lot of their events. So yay for Ryan McMahon. They went to high school together at Mater Day High School in Santa Ana, California, where Ryan McMahon was actually a two-sport, at least two, maybe more, two-sport dude. I know he was starting quarterback his junior and senior year, and this baseball thing was going super well, so a lot of people were saying, what are you doing? And, you know, this day and age, it's all like, concentrate on the sport where you're going to get a scholarship and make money and shit. But he wouldn't let his football team down as starting quarterback. And he said that he made a commitment to them to play a senior year and he was going to do it. And they ended up Pac-5 division division champions. So there's another. There's so many good qualities about this guy. Um, He did sign with USC as a third base person, but he went with the draft. He was drafted by the Rockies and uh, he played with five different teams and I just wanted to mention that because damn it, they shouldn't cut 42 teams. Like He played with five <laughs> minor league teams in his ascension. He was in the Futures game in 2017 and he played some of 2018 at first base, but 2019, again, was his first full season in the majors and he replaced DJ LeMahieu when he went to the Yankees. So I've got this theme. There's number two Yankees replacement theme going. Um, in spring training, he was there with the Rockies, and he got Most Valuable Player Award um, because he was batting 434, and he led the major spring training and slugging at that point with 792. So wow. he was like set to have this golden year last year, 2019, but it didn't quite go according to plan. I guess he had a bad uh, collision 
he was out for a few weeks and then he was it was like unclear what position he was going to play so he did some platooning with other players and then he had a slump in September so I don't think it was his best showing but you know what despite that he was still a, a finalist for the Silver Slugger and he lost to my boyfriend from last year from Atlanta Ozzy Az- Albies 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 I still, I okay. yeah, I still can't right. say his name um, because he had 24 home runs and 83 runs batted in, which was actually a record for a second base person, which I guess he gets to qualify at because that's probably where he, where he played the most. And the quote that I love for him is when he's talking about how to get really good, because I guess somebody was complimenting him on how well he was doing. And he's like, no, how you become Nolan Arenado, Trevor Story, Charlie Blackman is doing this for six straight months. So, yeah, I'm doing this okay now, but I am not like those three guys, side note, who all happen to be no crying in baseball, previously chosen baseball boyfriends, unless you put in the time. But he's known as being that fun guy in the dugout. The hitting coach says he's a team guy. He's super dedicated. He has some adorable um, engagement pictures on his Twitter and Instagram. He's engaged to Natalie Winters, and he said he has locked up my best friend for life, and I don't think that means locked up like in a cell. I think he means the deal is done. (laughs) And they're really cute together. And he had some pictures with his mom, which is always a little soft spot in my heart. We like the mom stuff so much. (laughs) Yeah, and he said, I've always been a mama's boy. So, (laughs) Ryan McMahon, you're my guy. All right. I went with an old guy who I love and have loved for like a decade or so. I went with Ian Desmond, who plays center field for the Rockies, and he's 34 years old. And I first started to... Old guy, 34 years old. I first began to love Ian Desmond when he was with the Nationals, of course. course. So not why I picked him, but that's when he first came to my attention. He was an all-star for the Nats in 2012. He was an all-star for the Rangers in 2016. He has three Silver Slugger Awards. He has four Heart and Hustle Awards, which we call the Boyfriend Award, with the Nationals, plus one with the Rangers. Wow. So that's a lot. I mean, he's maintaining the whole Boyfriend's Award status for quite a long time. He was first drafted by the Expos in 2004. And, you know, shortly after that, the Expos became the Washington Nationals. So that's how he became a National. He had... Hamate surgery in April of 2009, which was the beginning of the season in which he got a September call-up by the Nationals. And apparently the superhero thing worked for him because he broke a whole mess of records immediately. Do you think people can, can we, they search our back episodes for Hamate? I think they probably can. Because do, do that, because Patty explains a lot about this previously on this podcast. It's a very interesting phenomenon. It's a weird thing. And, and all these guys are just become amazing batters when they have Hamate surgery. So his um, debut was in September of 2009. He was the second shortstop to post at least four RBIs in his debut showing. He was the first player to have 10 or more hits in this first four games. And the list goes on and I wasn't going to put them all in in here. Just say he became a superhero hitter months after recovering from hamate surgery. One of the things that really um, endeared him to me was in 2012, he changed his number to 20 to honor Frank Robinson, who was his first manager. That's so cool. One of the things he said was, you know, like I'm here now. I'm in the majors now. This is like showing my commitment because you get to pick your own number when you're in the majors. You can be intentional about it. And so I'm here. This is what I want. This is who I want to honor. 
So he was with the Nats for a while. Um, he spent one year um, signed as a free agent by Texas in 2016 and then went to the Rockies as a free agent. He is currently in year four of a five-year, he's about to start the fourth year, of a five-year $70 million contract with the Rockies. Who knows? You know, he's 34. We'll but see what happens after that. That's good for you. A little bit of stability, hopefully, that he'll be with you for a while in the Rockies. It is. And he's got a lot of stability in his personal life. He's married and has four kids. And with his first child, he was one of the very first major league ball players to claim paternity leave. Power to him. Because now it's not really... I mean, most people don't really frown upon it. In the beginning, it was a risky thing. You, people get a lot of shit for that. Well, and it wasn't available to major mm-hmm, league that, ball players yeah. until then, too. So was, it was one of the first times it was even available. But his... Um, his actual charity work that he really spends time on is with the Children's Tumor Foundation, and they um, raise money for research into neurofibromatosis, which they abbreviate to NF, which is a genetic disorder causing tumors to grow on, on your nerves, which could be all over your body. Oh my it can God, be anywhere. awful. So I don't know how he first became interested in that condition at all but he became twitter friends with this uh, man called named ethan brown of south carolina who has nf and he invited him to a game when the nats were playing in atlanta and met him and they became friends and they have matching tattoos about ending nf that's amazing what a cool thing doesn't stop with the tattoos however he then worked out with the rockies that when the when the rockies are on the road he has volunteers who do who try to do outreach and find families that the basically nf families in whatever city they're going to and he organizes free tickets to bring those families who have largely kids who have nf to come to, to come to ball games and he meets with them so it's not just put my name on this it's he's actually doing the outreach he's meeting people who are who are experiencing this right now he also every may i guess is nf month and he for the past several years has pledged a thousand dollars for each of his rbis that he hits during the month of may and he encourages the public to pledge money for each uh, each run scored by the rockies that's great during the month of may so he personally has raised seventy one thousand dollars just with that part so far so I really like that he's into it at a lot of levels and not just sort of lending his name. He's really like, in it. he's in it. He's committed to it. And I think that's really impressive. And he's just, you know, he's been a great, solid player for a long time. So, uh, you know, who long, who knows how long we'll have Ian Desmond to kick around in the ballpark, but I'm going to take him right now. I'm glad you got to teach us about him while we have him. All right, I, I know you're going to tell me that it's not really the end of the decade, but there's so much decade stuff on Twitter. I know, I'm a nerd. We can't hold it back. I just can't just be surly about it's it. It's so weird, but it, I don't know. For me, it still like makes sense. It's sure. We're changing to the 20s. I only have like one stat that I, that jumped out of me that I remembered to write down. So, and this is going to be a real tough one after the, um, the, the last set of boyfriends that we just did. Do you know which ballpark had the most hits? In this past, not a decade, whatever it was, <laughs> in the in the aught in the tens, uh-huh. in the tens, in the teens. Well, it's gotta be it's gotta be Coors Field, right? Yeah, yeah. So the only ones I wrote down were number one and number two. Guess what number two was? That's a little harder to guess. Oh, well, if it was last year, I would say Camden Yards because people couldn't stop. <laughs> but it's not home runs; it's hits, so right? it doesn't it's have to hits. leave the park. It doesn't have to leave. Is it Camden Yards? Wow. It's something else near and dear to us. Maybe not so near, but very dear to me, especially. Well, okay. Is it Fenway? (laughs) It's Fenway Park. So anything that has Fenway Park in the list. Yeah, isn't that weird? Why so I I have no fucking clue. Okay. Maybe it's just the way that it's shaped. I don't know. All right. 
We're going from Fenway to drugs. I, Have you ever done that? Many people do that. <laughs> I, I know several that people. That may not be an yeah, unusual that, segue. Yeah. No, not at all. Um, not actually funny. Um, this this happened during. This was announced during the winter meetings several weeks ago. But the only headline I saw was about marijuana is no longer on the list of you know drugs of abuse for ball players. That's the only coverage I ever saw about anything that came out of the winter meetings about. Drug policy. Makes sense in connection to Fenway because it's legal there now. Right? Mm-hmm. But after Tyler Skagg's death because of opioids. This is the Angels pitcher. Right. Players and and management and the business of MLB kind of got together and said, this is huge. This is a huge problem. We need to get in front of this problem. What can we do? And they have... A, a joint, I wish they didn't call it a joint drug agreement, <laughs> sure, but totally they did because sense. it's between the players union yeah. and management. So that's what that particular joint is that we're discussing. And it's good for a couple more years. So let's look at this and are there amendments we can make to it that can get ahead of this problem and, and think about prevention. So the really interesting thing they did, okay, well, let's, let's finish the marijuana discussion about this. They took it off this list of drugs of abuse and they now handle incidents that involve weed like they handle alcohol incidents. That makes sense. So they, it's evaluation, there's treatment if that's necessary, mm-hmm. but not suspensions, right? Which is different because people were getting suspended for marijuana before. But the really important change is um, they're going to have, and I'm quoting this, widespread testing for opioids, fentanyl, cocaine, and synthetic THC. In the past, they could only do testing for reasonable cause. Now they're going to test like all the freaking time. But here's huh. what they're going to do. It's not punitive. They're trying to identify problems before they become problems. You know, that's super interesting because that uh, this just clicked with me. I just saw a tweet from David Price complaining uh-huh. about being drug tested for the third time in the off season. Yeah. So I wonder if... That must be this. It just happened. Yeah. But it, it could... I mean, if it was happening before the winter meetings, then they might have had some sort of probable cause. Mm-hmm. But if it's since then, I can't imagine they'd do yeah, it three it times since like then. Yeah, it seems like they're just like knocking on his door. He was pissed off that they interrupted his football. I could see that. Mm-hmm. I could see that. But what, they're, what their plan is, if you test positive for any of these drugs, they're going to like evaluate it and possibly present you with a treatment plan, not suspend you or discipline you in any way now if you don't follow the treatment plan if you're not cooperative with any of this then discipline will come come into effect but the whole point is let's get ahead of this and prevent more tragedies like the tyler skaggs tragedy for happening and you know i i think i'm uncomfortable generally with like this regular drug testing but this seems to be really specific and for a really good reason and I think I'm okay with it. And the players are. The players union is okay with it. Yeah, I'll be curious to see if other players complain the way that Price did. And I think putting it in the framework of Tyler Skaggs, like you did, makes it mm. complete sense. Yeah. And then the other thing about the weed connection is that's a really interesting thing to be doing at the same time because it's basically freeing out resources. They're probably wasting a lot of time yep. chasing after players for weed when they could really be focusing on something that's going to actually hurt people. Right. So, yeah, that does sound like a good thing to me. All right, I'm behind you on that one. I'm going to talk about baseball that's happening right now. Right now, actually, this moment, my Dominican team is losing Leones del Escogido in the in the playoffs, but they're still it's still going on. So I'm going to hope that they pull it through. Um, I did talk about the Dominican League last week, but some of the other leagues in which I have picked winners 
are um, making it toward playoff time. So Panama, the Astronautas de Chiriqui. I just wanted to be able to say that again. <laughs> I they love when you do. Beat, they beat the Aguilas Metropolitanas in the first playoff game. So I'm hoping my Panamanian team of the astronauts goes for it. You heard it here first. So far, so good. So far, so good. Nicaragua, my Tigres de Chinandega are currently number one in their playoff situation. Two for two. In Venezuela, Cardenales de Lara, I think are going to the playoffs. They're number two in the regular season right now, and it's almost over, so we'll see. But I, I think they look like that's going to happen. Um, in Puerto Rico, the the um, Roberto Clemente League is uh, down to four teams, and my Gigantes de Carolina are in them, and they, they get to pick reinforcements and reserves. And all of a sudden, and this is another, like, it was meant to be that I picked this <laughs> team. I looked on their roster, and Yadier Molina and Kike Hernandez, both of which are my former boyfriends from season one, are both listed as res- reservas. So I don't know if that means they're actually going to play or if they're, like, just, I don't know. But it's a good thing to me. Uh, I fucked up with Cuba, though. So my Cuban elephants, the Elefantes de San Fuegos, are out. So, so to be clear, those are the, that's the team you picked because they have an elephant logo? Right. So maybe I'll learn a little bit. But granted, I picked most of the other teams because of the way their name sounded or if they had a boyfriend of mine. See, that seems like there's more strategy involved there. The like boyfriend. You, you, were, you were familiar with some of the players and right. all of that. But well, in Mexico. Elephants sure are cute. Yeah. They, they, and the, the mascot is pretty cute. Or the, the symbol, whatever it is, the way it's drawn. It's adorable. Um, wait, I, that means I can drink. Oh, me too. Mm-hmm. Oh, crap. I'm almost out of beer. Uh-oh. I think we're almost out of show. Mm. Um, but I have one fun story about my like Mexican team. Out. So the Naranjeros de Hermosillo, who I actually picked because they hosted Baseball for All, Justin Siegel. So I picked them, but apparently they have a batter with an attitude. And this even made one of the John Boy Twitter things where he voices over what happened. And when he voiced it over, he didn't say the team's names nor the players' names because he was afraid of butchering it. So I think that's a fair thing to do, but I'll fill in the the in between the lines of what John Boy is saying. And we'll put a link to his tweet in our show notes if you want to see the actual video. But what happened was that Anajeros, my team, was playing against the Cañeras de los Mochi. And Yariel Hernandez, who's from my team, I'm sad to say, Naranjeros, he was batting against Daniel Duarte. And Duarte uh, pegged him, hit him with a pitch right in his knee. It was a fastball. It looked like it hurt like hell. And you know something's going to happen. But something very unexpected happened, which was he threw his bat at the pitcher. And even the Mexican feed that I was listening to, the guys were saying, we have never seen this (laughs) in Mexican baseball where he throws his bat at the pitcher. Luckily, the pitcher had really good reflexes. And he jumped and he cleared the bat that went like under. It's beautiful to watch the video just for that. The bat like went under his. I want to see it in slow-mo. Oh, that must be out there somewhere by now. So, of course, after the pitcher landed, he charges toward the batter to fight. But meanwhile, he didn't get there soon enough. So the batter punched the catcher. I don't know. Because he had nothing else to do. (laughs) You're not hurrying. I'm going to punch this guy until you get here. Then I'll start punching you. Well, and then the pitcher gets there and he doesn't throw a punch, but he throws his glove and he misses. And by that time, the bench is cleared and it's a whole kerfuffle. Um, And it settled out somehow after a while. But like everybody was involved and they were even talking about keeping people out of the stands but in the bottom of the inning the pitcher from the Naranjeros for some reason still felt like he needed retribution even because though that's an unwritten rule of baseball it's so fucked up so he hit one of the um one of the cañeros with a pitch and then there was another benches clearing thing no oh, bats were God. thrown i didn't see any gloves thrown but 
What would you think would be an appropriate amount of suspension for these people involved? What would be an MLB-ish suspension? Multiple games for both the batter and the pitcher. Right. Because they both did egregious things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's because the season's about to end. So the 30th of the month is the last day of the season. Uh, The batter got four games, which brings him till the end of the season. So he he misses the rest of the season. The pitcher, who beamed him, and it was a really rough shot, got one game. Well, I guess, you know, I haven't seen it, so I don't know if it looked like it was intentional or if he just slipped. Yeah. If it, it if it looked slip. egregious, then you right. then, then you punish more. If it was just oops, right. but damaging. Although mm. interestingly, I but didn't see threw, anything. But then he threw his yeah. yeah. I didn't see anything about the other batter. Yeah, right. He threw his glove, and I didn't see anything about the other pitcher from later in the in the thing. The only other guy who got fined was some guy who I guess fought really hard in like both of the fights, but that was it. Go figure. But it's interesting why this batter threw his bat is beyond me because he's in a heated race for the batting title. And they're only The guy that got suspended? Yeah, the guy who got suspended to the end of the season. And he's currently in third place, batting 336 behind a guy who has 337 and the guy other guy who's involved is 340. So it's really like the next four games make a big difference for these guys. Actually, that might be strategic because those guys are not going to go up any higher than that. That would be crazy. So they're all going to like just drop, drop. That would be I weird mean, if he wins the batting I mean, title. Was, was it, wasn't it LeMayhew that sat out? Somebody sat out a couple of games when uh, Daniel Murphy was competing with them for the batting uh, title. I can't remember who that was now, but because of because of that, right. like, okay, I'm just, I'm just going to hold here. Oh, now that was fascinating. Suck if it works in his favor, I know it sure would. All right, stay I, tuned. Stay tuned. My my last thing is an apology to Columbia. I missed them in my lint, winter league rundown in the beginning, but I will get them next year. You blew out the entire country. I did. I did, and I, I heard a really good um, review on Con las Bases Llenas. So anybody who speaks Spanish can go there to hear that what's going on in Colombia. But they actually lost a whole team because of penalties. So like, jeez, yeah. All <laughs> instead right. of like seven teams, there are only six playing now, or something like that. Our New Year's gift to you is this little story about take me out to the ball game, right? We sing that song. We sing it just, you know, loudly and enthusiastically. Take me out to the ball We sing game. it right now. <laughs> I take guess that's me enough. out with the crowd. Yeah, okay. Um, turns out there's a whole feminist thing going on with this song that I was not aware of. You may have known this. I did not know this because we don't ever, we don't sing the verses. There are verses. There are multiple verses, which I have never heard. We are now going to learn those verses. We are. We are. This song was written in 1908 by the lyricist Jack Norworth, hmm. who it was, who's written several popular songs of that era. Turns out this song is about a woman named Katie Casey, whose name appears in the lyrics, and she's being asked out to go to a show by a suitor, and she turns him down, and she counters him with, I'd like to go to a ball game, basically. So the take me out to a ball game is her saying, I don't want to go to a show. I want to go to a ball game. And the first verse is all about how she goes to every game, and she spends all her money on tickets, and she's really she really loves the game of baseball. The... Um, the second verse starts with Katie Casey saw all the games, knew the players by their first names, told the umpire he was wrong. She's totally my kind of right? woman. Right? So it's like That's totally so this like cool. whole like girl power thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm at the game. I know the game. I understand the game. I am, don't I'm, mansplain it to don't me. Don't mansplain it to me, right? So this we don't know about because, you know, it's been washed out of history. We only know the generic chorus, which is fun. But takes all the feminist stuff out of it. And here's one of the reasons we think is even more feminist than that. 
historians have kind of checked out what was happening at the time. And a few of them think that the Katie is based on this woman named Trixie Fraganza, who was a vaudeville actress and a suffragist, right? So she went to rallies. She gave speeches about, you know, votes for women. She donated a boatload of money. The reason they think it was her is because she was dating Jack Normuth at the time this was written. And the sheet music has her picture on it. There's a hint. Right? That kind of seems like it's a pretty good connection right there. Um, so so when you go to ball games and you sing this th- song, think about Women in baseball, they've been there for a long darn time, and you may not have even known it. I'm going to give you one bonus fun fact. Norworth, who wrote the lyrics, and a, a man named Von Tilzer, who wrote the music, had never seen a major league, but have never, had never gone to any baseball game at all when they wrote the song, and it was a good 20 years before either of them ever went to a ball game. That's crazy. That Why wouldn't crazy. they go? I don't know. But, yeah, but they did later, but they knew enough to make a song that we sing every single time. And now we will sing it with enthusiasm, and maybe we'll just keep going. We'll surprise our section. Yeah, we got to find a recording that has the lyrics, and we're going to teach them all. Oh, we don't have a section anymore. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. All right, we're going to go up and just sing it to Blake. Yeah, we'll sing. Hi, and Danielle. Yeah, Danielle, Danielle. gets to hear it, yep, too. Absolutely. Hey, um, we have to find some boyfriends for next week on the White Sox and the Giants. That's going to be fun. Yeah, it is. We have some people we can call. Okay, and we do take requests. And I and I just want to give a little thank you to Two Strike Noise, Jeff and Mark, for trying to help us with the Mariners. We got a little bit stubborn. And, and went the other way. But there's another great story out there about another Mariners player that you guys can tell. All right. And I just want to tell you that um, I turned down the, the, the guy that they gave us because um, he might get traded. Oh. Yeah. So there's that. I wanted a long-term investment. So I picked the baby. That's totally no, fair. Yes, I did. I picked the baby. Yep. That's great. What do you so got? I've got spring training countdown. How, yeah. How close are we? We are, at the time of recording... 43 days, 5 hours, 8 minutes, and 28 seconds. I can make it. I can believe in that. In the meantime, between now and when spring training starts, please feel free to listen to some back episodes of No Crying in Baseball. You can look up things like hammates and other boyfriends we've had in the past, and you can find us on social media. Where can we do that? Yeah, talk to me on Twitter at NCIB Podcast, or you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at No Crying in B-Ball, and find all those back episodes at NoCryingInBball.com. Until then, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Goodnight, Potty Mouth.